Hello, this is Erin Weir. The journey to being a successful creative entrepreneur is filled with challenges, hard work, and occasional high points. You have the opportunity to minimize the challenges and hard work by learning from experts, mentors, and leaders that have traveled the same road before you. The Creative Genius Podcast celebrates you and your hard work and helps you shortcut the path to profit and renewed passion. Enjoy this episode with my co-host, Gail Dobie of Gail Dobie Coaching and Consulting. We are pleased to introduce the one and only Nick May to the podcast today. Nick is the founder and host of the Chase Lounge Interior Design Podcast. The Chase Lounge has been in production for eight years and has over 300 episodes. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Well, I have to say, I am so excited because this is the first time in months that I have seen Nick May's face. And for those of you that don't know Nick, he is the owner or the runner or the person in charge and uh, creator of the Shays Lounge podcast. And I am so delighted to have him here today. And I have asked him if he would actually interview me about my book because it seems kind of silly for me to just talk about it myself. So Nick, thanks for being my buddy and my pal and doing this for me. Well, I'm excited and I'm excited that you wrote a book. You beat me to the bunch. I've, uh, <laughs> I've almost written a book or two. I, you know, it's funny. This, you might not even know this, but when I first, the precursor to Nick doing a podcast was Nick writing a blog. Ah. And I used to interview, this is a long, long time ago. And I used to interview people. This was just about general business. And I would interview people and then I'd have to turn it into a, like a blog. And I thought, gosh, this is, this would be just so much better if I could just talk to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So the written word is not Nick's strength. It's definitely in just talking. Well, you do a great job (laughs) of that. And in just in case, if you don't know about it, Otter AI is a software that will transcribe your, your audio. So that will make it a lot easier for you to create content. To more, more and more content. Yeah, we're trying to produce as much content as we possibly can. But you know, it is nice to see you, even though it is still on Zoom. Like at I some know. point, you and I get to go to lunch again. <laughs> promise me that. <laughs> yes, yes, I promise. We will definitely this summer. You're gonna, you're gonna be all vaccinated before I am. But I'm. I know. I'm not. I'm not nearly as worried about that stuff as I think everybody. But I'm. You know, I've. Uh, I've been cautious. I got my I got my mask right here. You you don't want me to put mm-hmm. my mask on then because then you no, can't hear me. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> We're safe. I'm I'm sequestered into the sound booth right now. So this okay. is what I do when I come to the office. I just sequester in to my little cocoon. Oh, well, so sweet. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today. And again, it's great to see you. Well, your book is called Business Breakthrough, right? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So before we get into that, how long did it take you to write a book? I start, well, you know, uh, a lifetime. <laughs> That's the first answer. <laughs> you know how That's that right. is. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You, you know, because you take years of doing what you do. And I've been doing coaching for, oh gosh, 13 years now. So for me, it's, it's taking all of that plus all of my training and my two degrees and all the th- things that I've done prior to this. And then um, 
I've always been pretty fast at writing. So I started about, <laughs> actually, I started writing it in August. And I probably should back up and tell you what transpired to get me to do it. Well, we were um, all sequestered and you didn't have anything else going on. Like, well, it, it wasn't that, <laughs> you know, it was really interesting when all this COVID stuff hit and I was in New York, I came back on March 14th. So, you know, what was happening right around then is all of New York was shutting down around yeah. us. And I came back and I was a little freaked out like everybody else. And I just wasn't quite sure what to do, except we just jumped right in. And then we did this series called Operation Ignite, which was 10 different Zoom calls with different people. So they were interviews. We did 10 sessions where we had to give 10 tips to everybody that was on the Zoom call. So we immediately got into action and did that. But during this whole time, I'd been doing some journaling and I kept writing on my to-do list and my, um, my goals that I wanted to write a book but I didn't have a title. I didn't know exactly what I was going to write. And then all of a sudden, one day I was listening to another podcast with one of the people that I follow. And I thought I'm putting a stake in the ground and by golly, I am going to write this book because it's COVID. I'm not traveling. There is not a better time to write this book. So I literally reached out to a friend of mine who's a publisher and said, okay, I'm ready for your help. <laughs> Let's do this. So I started writing it in oh, probably mid-August and I finished it around the beginning of December. And I will tell you that it, that's pretty fast writing, but it, I've had a lot of help. And of course, it's going through the, you know, the baking the cake part, which is you have to go through a lot of edits. And right now it's being laid out and we will be posting it on um, Amazon on April 2nd. So it's just right around the corner. I'll, that'll be here before we know it. I know. <laughs> it's oh next gosh. week. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is it really? <laughs> it's next week. <sighs> yes. So it's been a little bit fast and furious over here. Well, that's exciting. That's yeah. All right. So I already know what inspires you. Mm -hmm. What inspires you to keep going and helping designers? Because that's kind of even a deeper question than, than about the book. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great question because what I have realized and part of it came out during my research on the book, and that is that 60% of companies are really not profitable, which is a <laughs> stunning number to me. Yeah. And not surprising if, though to me. No, but you know, if you apply that to the people in our industry, that only means a few thousand businesses are profitable. And I'm really interested in helping people not just make profit, but actually make enough money that they can pay for the lifestyle that they want. And I have a real heart for females and we have so many women in our business. And there are so many people that are single moms that have to take care of their families and they have to think about their future. And if they don't take care of the finances of their business, then how in the heck are they ever going to make it? You know, for me, the thing that inspires me the most is when my clients tell me that they, uh, we, we've changed their lives, that they have doubled, tripled, 10x their businesses, and that they are so thrilled because it they feel so confident. And so that's what inspires me to keep doing what I do, because I really want to help people. And I want to, I really, I know this is a big one. But I want to transform our industry. This is not a small deal for me. I want to see our whole industry 
thrive and make a lot of money because we have a lot of creative entrepreneurs that so deserve to be paid what they're worth. Do you think it's possible for anybody in the interior design world to be profitable? That's a great question. And I would say maybe. And the reason I say that is because there there are actually about four different levels of people that get into the business. And the first one is what I call the dabblers. These are the people that are really good at design and they decided they just wanted to do it because they loved it. And maybe they don't need to make an income, but they just have a passion for it. So they get into it and they're hobbyists, but they don't really know how to run a business. And then there's the next level, which to me is where they're starting to get a little bit more serious about running a business. And this is what I call the designer level. And these people are really good at what they're doing. And then they're starting to realize, oh, I can actually make some money at this business and actually maybe make enough that I can pay for all of our expenses in our household. And then the next level is what I call the principals. And these are the people who are starting to run a business and they have a team. And for sure, they're going to make money at this. And then the final level is what I call the CEO level. And they are the people who run a business that just happens to be in interior design. And those people will make money. So I would say, realistically, about half of the people in the industry can make a really decent living at this. And what I mean decent is at least six figures. Okay. So Gail, obviously this year has been a challenge, like in a Mm -hmm. lot of different ways. We've had good challenges and we've had bad challenges. What are some of the challenges that you see kind of not necessarily pertaining to COVID and and where we are right now, but what are some challenges that you see designers more consistently seeing? Well, there are several and I think things are shifting and it's not just the average designers, but it's even celebrity designers are feeling this as well. The first thing is supply chain issues. And I had a great interview with Tom Conley from High Point Market Authority just a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about the supply chain issues and what the different manufacturers are dealing with. And when I talked to the um, designers, they're having a heck of a time getting materials for their projects. And they're also having a hard time getting people to work on their projects because it's people like the contractors. So, for example, We've had a lot of natural disasters as well, like we've had in Texas where they had um, the bad storms and nobody knew how to deal with it and there were pipes broken and all of a sudden you can't get anybody to do anything. So supply chain, suppliers that are actually building or contractors, all of those people are getting super busy. And because people have been cooped up for so long, there have just been a ton of issues around, um, you know, just getting anything done. So um, that's one, that's a really big one. And then I think the online purchasing options have gotten even bigger and bigger. And we're also seeing more and more designers offering the small packages, just trying to get people in the door and get some more business. And that's kind of confusing things. And there's still a lot of vendors that are offering a lot of free services, but that takes away from the value of the interior designers. So have you been hearing some of this too? Yeah. I mean, some of this I've heard for years uh, yes. that you're just mentioning. And then mm-hmm. other things that you were mentioning ring very true. Like for your audience, um, you know, I run a painting business and the, um, the supply chain is affecting everybody. I ordered some furniture for my parents down in Florida 
and we had major delays on Mm -hmm. furniture. Now, in the paint world, the big manufacturers are dealing with raw material shortages, and we're trying to prepare for it right now because we don't have necessarily shortages yet, but they're actually predicting it to hit in May and June. And Mm. so we're trying to get a backstock of paint. Like, can you, I mean, imagine having to to do that. I've never in a million years would I ever thought that I would be trying to do that, but we're trying to literally build a backstock of paint in my office for three months, a three month supply so that we don't, because I mean, think about it. You go to the paint store and you you just think, oh, I'm just going to get my couple gallons for the job that we're working on right now. Well, think if that couldn't happen. Think of the designer, how that's, now we have to go back and and explain that to the homeowner. Well, we can't paint. Why can't you paint? Because the painters can't get any paint. It's going, uh, yeah, I've been hearing that for about a month now and I was curious about that. So yeah, that's, that's huge because paint is on every single project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so my biggest, um, my biggest advice is talk early and get it all planned out and get your materials ordered. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. a lot of times when we're working with designers, unfortunately, we're waiting on them for final decisions on color, like literally till the last minute. And mm-hmm. you just can't, you just can't do that right now. No, absolutely not. So that creates other issues as well. And going back to the supply chain, it also means that you have to talk to your clients early on about the supply chain problems. So that they're not surprised when it takes 16 weeks, 18 weeks, 20 weeks to get furniture. So, yeah. yeah. So those are a couple of things. And a couple of the other challenges I'm seeing quite a bit of is overwhelm. A lot of designers are overwhelmed because they're getting a lot of work right now, a lot of inquiries. And as they get those jobs, they're trying to, they're taking them because you never know when the faucet shuts off. And then, of course, that leads to the next problem, which is finding talent. If you find the talent, keeping the talent's hard, and then also having the time to train the talent when you're overwhelmed and you're busy, (laughs) it kind of leads to this one thing after another. But I think the thing that I most want to focus on is getting valued or getting valued for the creativity they bring to the party, because a lot of people are not valuing designers today. And that is something that just breaks my heart because I've been a designer and I know I've had to struggle from time to time with people saying, you're just too expensive. And so I've not gotten jobs because I was too expensive, but I also knew what I needed to charge. And I think that is why it's super important for designers to know how to charge for their work. I want to ask a question because I would think that because of the advent of TV and HGTV and all the designer shows that are super popular, I would think that that would be teaching homeowners how important it is to hire a designer. Is that not the case? Well, don't you think that it doesn't tell the whole truth? (laughs) They say it's reality TV, but the reality is you can't do things that quickly Mm -hmm. and you sure can't do them for as cheaply as they say you can on TV. So that gives people the wrong information. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think they they can do it themselves because they've got an eye. That's what their friends have told them. (laughs) Yeah. So um, it can actually create problems. But I think the other thing to think about is that not all clients are the right clients. And some people that are ideal are going to value your creativity and they're willing to pay for it. But you're going to have to be more discerning about who you take on so that you actually take people 
who will pay you what you're worth and not just take your ideas and run with them and say, (laughs) bye-bye. Yeah. How can a designer do this? How do they communicate? I would, I would call it the value proposition. How, Mm -hmm. how does the designer communicate that to a homeowner? Well, I think that's a great question, but before you can even communicate to a homeowner, you need to understand what your creative value is and what you bring to the party and how to charge for it. So this is something I talk about in the book is called a creative value blueprint, which responds to the fact that in most cases, designers don't have a clue. And I'm not going to say all the time, but sometimes they have a difficult time expressing what their value is and getting paid for it. And they're not really sure how to express that to the, uh, to the possible client. So let me kind of define that. I, I think that would make some sense here. To me, what a creative value blueprint is, is, is everything that it takes to run a business. It's really not just running a business, but running it well, having a profitable business, and not just having a job as a designer. And it includes you really understanding what is your financial model? How do you make money at this business? What does it cost you to operate your business? And uh, what is it that you're trying to accomplish for yourself personally? What are your personal goals? And what is it going to cost to fund those goals? So that's what a financial model helps you do. And then, of course, the other things that are part of building this blueprint are the systems and processes that it takes to operate the business, building a team, because you can't really build a business if you're working by yourself, and then having a marketing strategy and plan so that you have consistent business coming in and you're not going through the roller coaster ride. So that's all part of the blueprint. Then, of course, you need to be able to talk about this to your clients and have a script and a way that you talk about it. And the script is for practice. And once you get really good at this, then you can explain to the client why it's worth them paying you to do this work because it's hard. And as you know, it's like Picasso took 20 years to be able to do a quick sketch in a minute. And then he tried to charge this woman $10,000 when she asked him to sketch her at a cafe in Paris. And she said, why 10,000? He said, because it took me 20 years to do this. And I know I'm not uh, paraphrasing that well, but that's the idea. You have to be able to talk confidently about what it is you do and how you deliver on the service and the brand experience that your company is able to do. And so you have to know what that is and create it and document it and be able to talk about it and teach your team to do it. And then um, that gives you the basis from which you can talk about your value and get paid what you're worth. That whole process that you go through with a designer, is that mm-hmm. hard for them to see? Or do they no. hear it from you and then they go, oh, I get it. Yeah, they get the, all the, the ahas come always. Uh, we have a three-day process that we put people through. It's a VIP experience and we teach all of this. And you know, I've shared quite a bit of this in the book. I, of course, I can't cover a three-day session right. with people in uh, one book, but I'm giving a lot of that structure so you know what it is that you need to do to be successful. Now, we've talked a little bit about the, you know, understanding your value. I interview a lot of designers and a lot of times I will ask what's, you know, what's the hardest thing for you in your business? And they will constantly tell me the numbers. How important is it for a designer to understand the numbers? 
Well, I mentioned a few minutes ago that 60% of most businesses in the U.S. don't make any money at all. Do you really want to work hard and not get paid for it? So if you're really interested in getting paid for what you do and what you love, then you need to know the numbers because the numbers are your scorecard. So to me, it's important for you to have a financial model because this is the framework for what you sell. And it tells you how to make money in the business, how to charge, how to make a profit, what it costs you to run your business, and then how to structure your pricing so that the clients are willing to pay the price, right? So this is all tied together. And if you don't understand your numbers, how in the world are you going to come up with a believable number that you can present to somebody that they're willing to buy? So you've got to have confidence behind the numbers because these people that are hiring you have a lot of trust in you to spend hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions on projects. So if you're going to be in charge of it, then you better know what you're doing with numbers. If I, I'm going to guess that most designers don't understand their numbers, like unless they've worked with somebody yes. like you, Gil. <laughs> right. Where do you think most people get the, where do they pull their numbers from in order to figure out how to charge in the beginning? You don't want to ask. <laughs> I can't say it on a recording, but you know, we'll, we'll just say it's out of the air. How's that? We'll just say it. wet finger in the air, right? Yeah, there you go. The wet finger. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people will say, well, what do my competitors charge? And that has nothing to do with how it's going to, what it costs you to run your business. You Bingo. have to know what your business costs are before you know how to charge, because otherwise, how do you know if you're going to make any money at it? So just picking a number out of the air or finding out what your competitors are charging will not ensure that you're going to make money. If somebody's never had this conversation, how do they know, what should they do to figure out if they're making money or not? Like, is that just go have a conversation with the accountant? Well, that can help. But I have to tell you that most CPAs don't have a clue about our business. (laughs) 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 I know that's Horrible to say, and if any CPAs are listening, don't shoot me, but it's true. It's such an unusual business, and most people don't have any understanding of what it takes to operate, to do the expediting, the purchasing, and all of the things that it takes to run the operations of the business. And, you know, what happens is a lot of designers will look at their checking account and they'll say, oh, I've got all these, I've got 300000 in the bank. So I can go spend that and they have no clue how much of that is theirs. So they're guessing. And that's one of the things that bothers me the most is that if they don't understand that, they can get themselves into serious trouble, serious debt, run out of cash. I I saw that happen to somebody who had a multi-million dollar business, had a 20% net profit. And she said, where's my cash? And I looked at her balance sheet and I said, well, I can tell you where it went you took it out of the business. And so therefore there's no cash. She said, well, I I, can, I go get some loans. I said, they're probably not going to loan you money because you're out of cash. So she had run up all of her credit cards and had run herself into debt. And so you can really literally have a a successful business from what people think, because they're talking about the top line and they may not be making any money at all. And so that's why you cannot go, you can't be that person that sticks their head in the sand because if you don't know where your numbers are every single week or month, then you are guessing and it could cost you everything 
you could get, end up divorced over it, you know? That so happens. It, it, it happens. And you see the financial stress that people are under. So would you rather have this financial stress every day or would you rather know where you are so that you know what to do about it? Yeah. And my last question I've got for you is what, what do you think that most people will get out of the book? Like what's the big takeaway if they get business breakthrough and, and actually read it? Because obviously you can't just get it. You got to read it. <laughs> well, not just read it, but you got to put it into action. It's to me, it's about learning how to run your business like a business, understanding your why so that you're willing to do all the hard stuff. You've got the resilience and grit to stick through it when times are tough. And um, you'll learn how what it really takes structurally to have a successful business. And then the other part is I talk a lot about mindset in here because mindset is crucial to being a successful business owner. And there are days, and I have them too, where I wake up in the middle of the night worrying about things. But in the end, if I know how to solve the problem, then I'll be okay. And if I've got the right team to help me with that, I'll be okay. So this is about knowing how to set up a very strong, successful business, and also to know where you are right now and what you need to learn. So I give you an assessment in the book so that you can determine what are the gaps that you have to where you want to go. So if you have a goal of where you want to go in five or 10 years, then what is it that you need to know so that you can have a successful run at operating your business? So to me, that's it. And then the bottom line is, is the financial confidence that they will have as a result of reading the book is there. And there are a lot of great answers in there. And I think just that book alone can help anybody at any level, specifically some of the more of the basic levels, maybe not the CEO level, but there, there's some good stuff in there. And it's stuff that I've been teaching to our top clients for years. And I think it's a good starting point for people to relook at their business, even if they've been in business 20 years, they may find some things in there that will help them kickstart their business and then again, hit that financial confidence. Well, Gail, I'm excited for the book to come out. Do I get to read it? Even though well, I'm not a designer? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited for the book and I'm excited for the impact that it can make. So I just hope that people take the initiative, pick up the book and actually read it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nick. It was great having this chat with you and I can't wait to see you soon. I know we got to go to lunch. For sure. <laughs> After this episode, I'm sure you're wondering, hmm, how do I get a copy of Gail's new book? Well, it's called Business Breakthrough, Your Creative Value Blueprint to Get Paid What You're Worth. And you can head on over to Kindle to get your download. Also, if you're registered as a buyer for the June High Point Market, you'll receive a free PDF of the book. We look forward to seeing you in High Point soon. Mm-hmm.